Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to the Roy Green Show podcast. Today we have the opportunity to speak with Scott Moe, the Premier of Saskatchewan, and the Chairman of the Council of the Federation, and that is the Premiers and Provincial or Territorial Leaders, um, Group, Premier Mo, thank you very much for the time. Thanks so much, Roy. I appreciate you making the time today. We're all in this together, and it means uh, that's not just a cliche. That really means a lot this these days. I just spoke with Dan Kelly, the president of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, and heard from business owners, one in tears, uh, about their losing their business. Dan told us that. They at the CFIB they had five calls last week from small business operators who were talking about suicide. Sixty percent of the Canadian national population works for small and medium sized business. Premier, what? Uh, and I know the Prime Minister's talked about the seventy five percent salary subsidy, but what more can be done for the small business community? And one of the points I just want to raise this with you. One of the points that was made by Mr. Kelly and by the callers was provincial help with rent for their businesses. Yeah, I, I heard that, and, and you're right, uh, Roy. We are all in this together, whether we are the employee uh, in a business or whether we are uh, the actual business owner, and nowhere is that more evident and uh, and hits closer to home than in the world of small business, uh, and something that my family has been involved with for uh, many years. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is, is the program that the federal government uh, came forward with last Friday, and pending uh, the details that will be here this Monday, it makes a program like that uh, all the more important uh, to not just our small businesses, but also to our employees so that we can all survive the next uh, the next number of weeks. You're also seeing provinces uh, very quickly come in on on uh, any of these federal announcements and dovetail in. Um, you know, they'll allow the details to come out from the federal government, and then you'll see the provinces very quickly dovetail in as to fill some of the gaps, if you will, and to uh, provide some of those uh, more selective supports that are relevant to uh, each 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 jurisdiction or each province, as we are different from from uh, from coast to coast to coast in this country. And I'm sure you're going to see that once we see the details of this program as well. We saw it under the initial program that was uh, launched a, a week or so ago. And I think the fact that we have, <laughs> um, you know, program after program coming uh, from the federal government uh, speaks to just how quickly this situation is evolving and how serious it is across the nation. Premier, how much commun- communication is there between the uh, the premiers, between the uh, the Council of the Federation? We're talking every week uh, right now as a, on a conference call, as well as uh, I know multiple premiers are discussing uh, in amongst between those uh, calls as well as to individual programs. For example, um, we have some similarities in industry with Manitoba, also with Alberta. Um, and Ontario, um, and uh, but the, the premiers themselves are talking each and every week on the the higher level items, if you will. And I, I just maybe give a, a quick shout out to Premier Ford and and uh, the manufacturing industry in Ontario and his uh, his conversations that he's having uh, with 
a number of people in that industry to uh, build locally. Uh, by locally, I mean in our nation, um, some some N95 masks, uh, some ventilators, and some of the the procurement work that is going on there really spearheaded and uh, by by Premier Ford, and and it's appreciated by all of the premiers across the nation. The agricultural sector in Canada is under stress, and we we all need the agricultural sector because that's the sector that feeds us. Could you speak to that? Because that's key in your province of Saskatchewan. Oh, yeah, it, it, it is the spinal cord of the economy here in Saskatchewan. We have energy, we have mining, we have manufacturing, uh, we have a number of other industries, yes, but agriculture uh, most certainly has been uh, the backbone of our economy for over a century now and will continue to be into the future. Um, and, and, and we have a very important season coming up here over the course of the next number of weeks in, uh, in our, our planting is going to happen and it's going to happen across this nation. Um, so we have uh, moved forward provincially. You've seen uh, the, the, the federal government. We've had conversations with them as well. But we've more moved forward provincially with uh, clarifying which businesses we feel uh, need to be open and which businesses uh, we feel are are not uh, critical services, providing critical services at this point in time. And first and foremost, above uh, uh, those businesses that do need to remain open are the supply chain businesses for an industry such as agriculture, uh, for example, so that we can ensure that we get this crop in the ground. And, and listen, if, if we have any hope of crawling out of this uh Whatever uh, our economy looks like after uh, we deal with what is the the existential healthcare crisis that's in front of us, um, agriculture is going to be a part of that. And you're right; we're going to need enough food to eat, but we're also going to need the the we're going to need the economic stability that that agriculture provides. So, how do we restart economies after this? Because we don't know when after this is going to be. You're, you're, you're right, and I, I listened to uh, Dan Kelly's words around our small business and how do we support our small business, and we're appreciative of the moves the federal government has made. We'll look for those uh, further details uh, this coming week, but the first thing we need to do is, and Dan alluded to this, is not let our our industries die. Uh, we need to support them as governments, a national, uh, a provincial, uh, as well as municipal. We need to support those very industries that are creating wealth in our province. For example, um, our energy industry here in Saskatchewan and Alberta and to a lesser degree uh, Manitoba and a little bit into uh, British Columbia is is under siege really not only from uh, COVID-19 but also from a, a price war that has uh, occurred with Russia and with uh, the Saudis and, and some of the uh, the disagreements that they're having. And if, if that industry doesn't receive the, the size and scope of a of support that the auto industry received from uh, federal government a number of years ago, um, we're going to have some challenges in that industry. And so uh, the, those are the asks that are coming, and not only from that industry, but from the provincial jurisdictions such as Saskatchewan um, that are representing that industry, is we are going to need that that type of a TARP-style investment uh, uh, mechanism in place in the next number of days, I think, for our energy industry here in Western Canada. And and I've been in contact with the federal government on that and will continue to be. Um, so first, we need to support them in the short term. Uh, the federal government has stepped up in, 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 uh, in partial fashion on that with their announcement on, on Friday. They have a little further to go with uh, industries like our energy industry. Um, and second, uh, then we need to work with them to ensure that our regulatory environment is one that, that they can actually succeed in the, in the weeks and months uh, coming when we get on the backside of this curve.
Yeah, uh, that's something we can't forget. The issues that uh, that we're facing this country, the issues that you were going to raise as a group of premiers with the prime minister when you were going to have your two-day meetings, just seems like forever ago, but it was just a few weeks ago. Those issues haven't gone away, and they're going to very suddenly be part of the equation of restarting the economy. Uh, absolutely. You know, the issues around uh, the regulatory environment that are industries that are creating wealth, and then those are the essential industries that you see operating in our communities uh, here today. Um, the, the regulatory challenges that they have uh, remain. And I would say that the, the, the requests that we would have had previous to COVID-19 will pale in comparison to the requests uh, that need to uh, be put in place uh, post-COVID-19. If we are going to rebuild our Canadian economy and uh, support the job, the, re- the regrowth of our jobs, and not only in the, you know, the manufacturing sector, the energy sector, the agriculture sector, the mining sector, but consequently, those are the sectors that support our retail sectors in our urban communities as well. So we're going to have to have a very different look at the regulatory, uh, the regulatory environment in which um, industries like the energy industry, the mining industry are operating on, out, under in the, uh, you know, the next number of months and years. Premier Mo, uh, one more question for you. We have a minute here. Uh, a word from you, please, for all the people, the, the doctors, the nurses, the paramedics, the support staff in healthcare who are courageously operating on the front lines of this battle against COVID-19. Thank you. Uh, there's, there's nothing more that can be said uh, to the people that are uh, self-isolating from their own family uh, when they go home and be rooms in their in their own home so that they can go to work and serve the people in their community uh, thank you on behalf of myself and all of the premiers uh, across this, this province uh, we thank you for what you're doing each and every day and we are doing everything we can uh, to ensure that you have all of the gear that you need all the medical supplies that you need and we uh, will be behind you each and every step of the way as we go through the next number of weeks your 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 efforts uh, will never be forgotten Dan Kelly is the president and CEO of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, and they represent, of course, the small and medium-sized business community in this country, and as we often say, the number one employers in Canada as far as numbers of employers, uh, numbers of employees are concerned. Dan, thank you so much for the time, and uh, I can't even begin to imagine how stressful this has to be for the small business operator who has typed on the margins to begin with, now is looking at uh, you know closing down business or being required to stay in business because it's an essential service. They also are looking after their own health, perhaps looking after their family's health, looking after the economy of the family, maybe looking after parents. The stress level must be through the roof. Look, it's stressful on, on absolutely everyone. Uh, we're all concerned about the health effects for ourselves, for our families, our loved ones. But, but small businesses, to your point, Roy, have, uh, I think, just an extra burden on top of that. Because they, they, so many people rely on them. Uh, you know, they, not just your own immediate family members, but your employees rely on you, and, and often the community relies on you to continue to provide services, at the very least, jobs for people right now and jobs for people after the emergency phase is over. So you're absolutely right. It has been an incredibly stressful time. And just to underscore that point, we at CFIB do business counseling. Uh, We typically, on a daily basis, have 50 calls from members from across the country, 50 out of 110,000 members. We now are at 800 calls per day coming into our offices across Canada. And so far in a week, we have had five members let us know. I spoke to one of them that that we're considering suicide. Oh, my God. 
it has been really, really tough on on even my team to take those calls. Uh, but you can imagine that just underscores the plight of, of, of business owners not knowing what to do. We typically would get one call like that a year, and we had five in a week. Oh my. Uh, so it is it is pretty gruesome out there for, for a lot of business owners because, of course, while the health effects are, are serious and affecting you know a few thousand people across Canada, the economic effects of COVID-19 are, are affecting millions. And, and, and all, almost all business owners, I think there were only about 20% of our members that told us that they are still open uh, fully right now. So that means that 80% of businesses are either fully closed or partially closed in order to try to help out society uh, by slowing the spread. So if we then look at the uh, 75% wage subsidy for small and medium-sized business employees, uh, how's that being received, and what details do you have at the CFIB, and what do you need, and how quickly? Yeah, so, look, the, uh, the this was really good news. We have, uh, as you know, as you've, uh, you and I have spoken every weekend, this has been something we've been pushing right from the start, and had the government moved on this a couple of weeks ago, I think we would be in better shape. There would be fewer Canadians unemployed at this moment. Um, but, but so it was really good news, and I compliment the government of Canada, the Prime Minister, the Finance Minister, for delivering on this on Friday, uh, at least sharing the news that they're going to do this. Details we're expecting to have Monday, uh, but it does look like there will be a test to demonstrate how significant your sales decline has been. Um, that <laughs> That's understandable. I don't think it will be too hard to prove to, for most, uh, most of my members. Um, but the reason why a wage subsidy is so important is I think the single best thing that we can do right now is to keep employees connected to their employers, even in scenarios where there's no work to be done. Uh, so even if they're fully at home, there's nothing they can do from home. Uh, I think keeping their pay coming from the employer means that they don't have to stand in, in line at a now-closed Service Canada office or apply online and wait weeks to get a paycheck. They don't have to go and apply for the Canada Emergency Response Benefit. And probably you know, as importantly, they have, they, they have the peace of mind that, that chances are they're going to have a job to come back to at the end of this rather than facing unemployment. My final point as to why this is so darn important for our members is we do need to start turning our attention. It feels too early to do that, but some of us, uh, uh, CFIB included, need to start focusing on what is going to help Canada get out of the economic emergency that has been created by COVID-19 as soon as the emergency phase is over. And if employers and employees remain connected uh, and the employer is able to pay the wages because 75% of it is, is backstopped by government, that means that they're going to be able to get those workers back, back in most cases, to work the very next day. If we've laid off all of those workers because there's no other option for the employer who has no income, it's going to take months before we put the puzzle back together and have Canadians working again. That's why I think this is such a powerful measure, and I'm really hoping for some good, strong details. We've been working hard, CFIB, to communicate to government what is needed over the weekend, and I'm hoping on Monday we'll get some good news. Certainly was the rationale of the Danish government to uh, why they enacted their 75% wage subsidy was to keep the relationship between business and, uh, and employees in place and then provide... Uh, an avenue, a quick avenue, as quick as possible, to recovery and uh, restarts of their business 
when the emergency situation comes to a close. Do you know whether uh, whether the money is going to be flowing quickly, or is this a situation where we're going to it's going to be April the sixth and uh, and another ten or fourteen days after that? Yeah, look, we, it's it's hard to know. I mean, to be fair to the government, there aren't there aren't that many channels that uh, that one can do this. Uh, you know, we don't have systems in place to directly fund businesses, so we're going to have to set those up. I'm hopeful that we'll find some quick administrative means to do that. I mean, governments are already used to collecting taxes from government, or sorry, from businesses. So one imagines you could reverse that system and have funds flowing from government to business for a short period of time. Uh, that that would certainly be a helpful thing. But even look, for some, they do have a little bit of money in the business left. The government has, to its credit, also said that, that, that they're not going to require them to pay their GST and HST remittances on time. So some of that money may still be in the business bank account. Um, they could Businesses do have some of them, the ability to borrow. Um, but the knowledge that they're going to get the 75%, if, even if it's a week or so away, will help some businesses, not all, but some of them, ensure that they can keep their employees uh, on their payrolls. And I think that that's good for the business. It's good for the uh, for the employee. And I think really, really good for the economy. Dan, what's the number of employees, uh, people who actually work for small and medium-sized businesses across Canada? Do, do we know? Yeah, so about 60% of Canadians work for a small or medium-sized company in the private sector. About 40% work for large business, 60% work for, for small business. Uh, that, that I've, I've forgotten the exact number, but it's uh, certainly tens of, uh, it's over 10 million people work in a small or medium-sized company. Um, and only about 20% of those, those people are, are, those businesses are fully open right now, as I was saying. And, and so you can imagine just how the sheer volume of people that, that are now either out of work or being paid with not much work to do. Not everybody can work from home. There still is about half of the economy where working from home sounds like a great option, but it's it's not one that can be easily implemented no. uh, in, in a whole bunch of settings. No. Um, how many have concerns about being able to restart their businesses when that light turns green? Yeah, that's that's the growing number. Uh, we did we've done measures now two weekends in a row. We have a survey out in front of our members right this weekend as well to get a new take on that. Uh, but on last weekend survey, a third of our businesses said uh, that they don't think that they will be able to last even a month. Uh, and we're we're testing some new data there. But you can imagine there are a lot of businesses that go go. I think you made this point. There are a lot of companies that go out of business in good times just because they're entrepreneurs. Many of them don't have large reserves, just as there are Canadians that, that can't go without a paycheck for a couple of weeks. There are businesses that can't go without an income for for weeks at a time. Uh, about a month, I think, if, if this goes on a month, we're going to see a big, uh, a big, a big number of business closures. I, I, I can't see any scenario under which there are fewer than tens of thousands of businesses that basically closed those doors permanently as a result of this temporary emergency. But measures okay. like the one the federal government took uh, will really help us. The other big one where we need some help, and I'm hoping that some of our provincial leaders are listening to this, or they know some of them do, we need help with rent. Um, businesses, if you can imagine, you're running a business, a storefront business, you've got a $5,000 rent bill coming due April the 1st, another May the 1st, 
and you're ordered by the province to close your doors so you have no possibility of earning an income, yet your rent and all the other expenses associated with your property continue, we need to make sure not that the rent is just deferred, and, and some landlords have helped out that way, but we, we believe that, that, it, that maybe now the now's the time for provinces to actually step up and, and, re, and take on some of the rental bills. So coming up with uh, some money to help businesses directly keep their doors open, I think would be a big relief and take away at least part of another of the major expenses that small businesses don't have an income to pay. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. All right, so we were mentioning uh, that the, there are, well, so many of us are under stress, and it's quite natural uh, that we are feeling the way we are, that we have concerns about where we are mentally, perhaps, because we're not used to being shut down the way we are. We also understand the need for it. So what do we do if we're feeling, uh, you know, stressed beyond what is normally acceptable or doable for us. Dr. Gordon Asmundson is a psychology professor at the University of Regina. He received a $400,000 funding from the Canadian Institutes of Health Research for a COVID-19 research project, the role of psychological factors in spreading of disease, discrimination, and uh, distress. And Dr. Asmundson joins us on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Dr. Asmundson, thank you very much for the uh, the time what is your focus? And uh, I, I guess my the next question fits right into the first one. What are the self-recognizable symptoms that we may be stressing too much? Yeah, thanks for having me, Ryan. Uh, those are some really good questions. I guess first, our study is designed to look at the role that psychological factors play in the spread or the containment of disease, COVID-19 in particular in this case, by gathering information from population representative samples from both Canada and the U.S. And we'll also be tracking that information over time. So we're conducting a survey right now, and then we're doing follow-ups at uh, one and three months. And this is going to help us learn about some of the factors that are important at the psychological level for uh, managing pandemics. So some of those strategies include risk communication. So we've been receiving a lot of information about what we're supposed to be doing and how we're supposed to be behaving, uh, hygiene practices, social distancing, and information um, about potential vaccines. So psychological factors play a critical role in the success of each of those methods. So we need to understand how psychological factors impact those factors that help us contain uh, or prevent the spread of mm -hmm. COVID-19 any further. So how do we recognize that we may be stressing too much? For example, the emotional impact of having a sudden job or work interruption has to affect a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's been some wholesale changes here in the way we are able to live our, our daily lives. And there's stress at many levels. And I guess 
part of your question is how do we recognize yeah uh, where's the line when do we know we've crossed the line when we've well i guess that depends uh, and it's going to vary from individual to individual but if we are um, just unable to 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 manage those feelings and we're we're seeing or others are observing changes in our, our behaviors with respect to um outbursts or um you know, just shutting down and not communicating any further. Those are some of the things that might reveal uh, that things have crossed the line in terms of our ability to, to manage stress. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of talk uh, about, and I've seen it as well on the highway. I, I went to the hospital two days ago just outside just to drop off some N95 masks I had for the staff. And while I was on the highway uh, here in southern Ontario for maybe 10 minutes, I saw more, honestly, I saw more maniacal driving than I've seen in a long time. And I just wondered whether that, in fact, was just a stress buster or people just acting because they were acting out because they're under such stress. Yeah, and that that's quite possible that is happening. You know, people, are, people aren't getting out. And then um, when they are getting out and feeling this, anxiety and tension and, and frustration that might be one outlet um, you know it's just uh, on the highway we're familiar with uh, you know road uh, rage and other road driving related emotions and now getting mm-hmm. out that might just be one of the places to express it um, because a lot of us are stuck in, in the house and uh, and hopefully trying to contain that and not lashing out at, at family members although that could be happening as well so it's just how do we just go ahead i'm sorry Uh, how do we help ourselves we have about a minute left dr esmonds and how do we help ourselves a lot of people would be i would imagine a significant number of people may find it difficult to ask for help yeah i think it's really uh can be the case that it's difficult to ask for help but the, the the changes that we're all being um faced with and the the behaviors that we have to um, find ourselves dealing with are, are, are going to lead to these emotions and that's normal you know we're all all feeling that and it's okay to reach out I think to deal with it we need to try as much as possible to maintain some structure and try to conduct your day with some self-imposed structure we often have that in our jobs and other activities we're fit, we, we have to do on a daily basis but we're going to have to do that now on all our right. own uh, right. Try to keep structure. Denmark has for several weeks now been paying employees who face layoff or loss of job entirely because of COVID-19, 75% of their usual salary, to a limit of just over $50,000 annually in order to support the business in the country and underpin the relationship between employers and employees. Uh, Mr. Trudeau was repeatedly asked prior to announcing Canada's 75% subsidy why we weren't following Denmark's lead. Uh, how's the Danish 75% subsidy working out? Subsidy for small and medium-sized businesses. And uh, what's it designed to ultimately do as far as assisting the nation's national economy to get back on its post-pandemic feet? Dr. Lars Christensen joins us from uh, Denmark. He's a Danish economist and founder of Markets and Money Advisory. His specialty is international economy, emerging markets, and monetary policy. He's also an author and blogger. Dr. Christensen, thank you very much for the time. And what was the rationale behind Denmark subsidizing employees to the tune of 75% of their annual salary? Well, I think it, it 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 has to be seen in the in in the light of 
some Danish traditions. Um, one one tradition being actually fiscal conservatism. Uh, so there is it's, it's quite a big element of this not just being a handout uh, to businesses. Um, and at the same time, it has to be seen in the light that historically we have had in Denmark what we what some have have termed the flex security model. Uh, the flex security model essentially says that we need to have flexible labor markets, meaning that we should be able to hire and fire people easily. So unlike many other European countries, we actually in Denmark don't have any minimum wages, mandatory minimum wages. We have very uh, liberal firing and hiring rules. It's easy to find hire people in Denmark. So it's much more of a North American system than a traditional um, U.S. system or a North American system. On the other hand, we also have a situation where labor unions and employers have a close relationship and have had so for, 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 uh, for, 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 uh, for many years. So this agreement is actually an agreement that involves labor unions, the government, and employers. That's a very interesting uh, reality where you have a, a cooperative relationship between labor unions and employers. Obviously, from time to time, you have uh, strikes and so on, but there's a long tradition uh, of, of cooperation. Obviously, unionization in Denmark historically has been rather high. It has declined steeply in the past 30 years, but this deal actually has an interesting point to it. It's, it's a deal between the government and the main unions and the main employers' organizations, but it covers everybody who are employed in Danish business. So even non-union workers is covered by this, um, which, of course, is, is rather interesting. And now, how has it been received by the people of Denmark and by the opposition parties in the government? Well, I think, I think that in Denmark, um, this was pushed through very early on. So, you know, early on being around two weeks ago, after Denmark went into, let's call it quasi-lockdown. We, uh, schools and university was closed down. Uh, a number of public employee, non-essential public employees were sent home. Most private businesses sent home their workers to work from home to the extent it was possible. Uh, so for a fortnight, we have been, we are working from home. I think a lot of what happened in, we've seen in Italy has shocked the Danish population. So from a political perspective, it, it has been a quite united country uh, in the pa past two weeks. There hasn't really been any opposition uh, to these things, and there was a broad political backing for these initiatives. Uh, that is changing now, as people are starting to question how long is this going on. But I, I would add something. There is an element of fiscal conservatism to this. This agreement only runs until June 9th. So it's essentially three months. Um, so the, 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 the idea here is we, we are closing down the country. Uh, that will hurt business. That will lead to layoffs. But uh, we will try to ma maintain people in jobs during that interval so they don't have to fire them. Um, so it's very much a temporary solution. Uh, and it's designed uh, not to become permanent. Um, there's clearly, uh, when you talk to civil servants on, on the economic side, minister of finance officials and so, and so, so forth in private, they, they, they would indicate that they're worried about these things would become 
that they that they would become permanent. So so this is a temporary measure. Um, and I think it's also important to notice that Denmark is a, it's a small country. It's a country of 5.6 million people. Uh, it's a quite, you know, the Danish industry uh, is, 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 is medium-sized. So, you know, this works well for, uh, for, for, for companies with two or three or 400 employees. Surely it doesn't work at all for, for small businesses and there have been other measures put in place for small businesses that seem to be less straightforward. Let me ask you then, uh, do the small businesses or the employees at small businesses who yeah. lost their jobs or are being laid off or temporarily yeah. losing their jobs, are they also eligible for the 75% and are there any conditions attached? Yeah, there are conditions. The condition, among other things, is that... Um, you, uh, it, it has to be at least 50 workers who are threatened by layoff or 30% of the of all employees. So you could be in a situation where you have, let's say, uh, uh, a small employer has 10 employees and he would have to fire uh, five or six of them. Then he could get, get they, they would be covered by, by this as well. All right. All right. Dr. Christian, uh, I, I have to... They're, they're sent home. They... they, they, they do not continue to work. They essentially go on vacation. And one of the things that pays this is that they take out one of one week's vacation voluntary and pay for it themselves. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 